About a year ago, uh, The Guardian magazine ran an article online about uh, some things going on with Apple Corporation, and this was the opening two paragraphs of that article. Two of the largest investors in Apple are urging the iPhone maker to take action against smartphone addiction among children over growing concerns about the effects of technology and social media on the youth. In an open letter to Apple on Monday, New York-based Jana Partners and the California State Teachers Retirement System said the firm must do more to help children fight addiction on its devices. What's so fascinating about this is those two uh, groups own about $2 billion worth of Apple stock, and they are concerned uh, that Apple might be too addictive uh, in uh, their devices, for, especially for young people. Now, you and I probably don't need a news article to tell you there is the danger of technology addiction. Uh, we see it in our families. We see it in our schools. We see it in our workplaces. We even see it in church. Technology is one of those things that has such a powerful stronghold on our lives. It's got an incredible draw. Even non-Christians who are themselves uh, dealing with issues of money and those sorts of things can recognize there is a power here. Uh, There is a pull towards using technology. Well, this year we've been going through the book of Titus and doing a topical series, and we're allowing Titus to choose the topics for us. When you go to the book of Titus, you may look and say, well, where's the word technology? It's not there the way you might be looking for, but the word that is there is the word self-control. And over the past uh, several weeks, we've talked about issues like sex, alcohol, time, money. Today, we're talking about technology. In two weeks, we'll be talking about food. These are all areas in which it is very easy for our lives as Christians to be out of control. And the blessing of the book of Titus is that God has promised us his spirit, that through his spirit we can bring out of control aspects of our lives under the sovereign control of God. And this morning we get to think about how God has instructed us in the use of technology in such a way that technology can be a blessing and not a curse. Now, the issue of technology is way too big to talk about in just one Sunday morning. So much so that about five years ago, the Lord laid it upon our hearts uh, at this church to spend some time as a church really on a sort of deep dive study into technology. And what we did was a Sunday evening series. We called it Rewire. And it was an opportunity to really dive in theologically, biblically, practically into this issue. I'd encourage you, if this is an issue that you'd like to think more about, uh, to go back and you can watch those teachings. They're recorded for you online. There's also a workbook you can work through with family members or just simply by yourself or in a small group. It's on our website and in your notes. Uh, There is a link, a link, there is a reference uh, to how you can find that on our website and you can make use of that. This morning, we're going to only spend one Sunday morning talking about technology as we go through Titus. And so we're going to limit our discussion today to essentially things like smartphones, social media, the internet, computers. Technology is everywhere. 
But really, for most people, the areas of our lives in which technology threatens to be out of control tend to be in those areas. And so what we want to do today is we want to understand from God's word how it is that we can live faithfully in this technological world and blessings like smartphones and social media and computers and the internet can be used to encourage our faith rather than to be stumbling blocks. So what I'd like you to invite you to do is to take a Bible and turn with me to the book of 2 John. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the rack in front of you. 2 John is page 989. There's not a page number on it, uh, but 989. If you don't have one of the church Bibles, 2 John is all the way near the end of the Bible. Revelation is the last book, Jude, and then 3rd and 2 John. So page 989. And we're going to cover an entire book of the Bible today (laughs) in one morning. So if nothing else, if someone says, what'd you do today? Say, I read an entire book of the Bible and studied it. I'm going to read all of 2 John to us. The elder, that's John, to the lady chosen by God and her children. That sounds like it's being written to a woman and her biological or adoptive kids. It's actually a metaphor for a church. He's writing to a church and to the people who are part of that church, whom I love in the truth, and not, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. That's the introduction to the letter. Here comes the body of it. John says, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one that you have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be fully rewarded. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. I want to begin in verse number 12. Do you see where John writes, I have much to write you, but I do not want to use paper and ink? Now, it may be hard to imagine, but at one point, paper and ink 
were considered technological inventions. This is a form of technology invented by humans for which to do things like we use phones and computers today. John needs to communicate, and so he's going to sit down with paper and ink and write a letter. We might send a text or make a phone call or send an email, but if you're willing to recognize it's the same basic issue, just different technology, we can realize that in this little book of 2 John, God is talking about the issue of technology. And what we're going to see this morning is that as the Apostle John chooses to use technology, he points the way forward to two ways in which technology is a great blessing from God in our lives and how he shows us ways in which we can and should use technology for God's glory. We're also going to see in this very short letter that God provides for us <clears throat> excuse me, insight and teaching as to the limitations of technology, what technology cannot accomplish, and therefore where it is inappropriate to use technology. So let's begin together with how technology is meant by God to be a blessing. Look over in verse 5. John says, and now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. So picture this. What John is doing is he's sitting in his study, and he thinks there's another church on the other part of the Mediterranean, some other part of the area in which he lives. And as an apostle, it's his job to communicate God's commands to them. And so he pulls out parchment, paper, and he pulls out ink, and he uses what we would consider ancient technology, but still technology, and he writes this letter. He then takes this letter and sends it to this church. And what we see from this is that the Apostle John is using technology to accomplish the work God assigned for him to do. This is his job as an apostle. His job is to communicate the commands of God and to encourage people to obey those commands. And this is the first great, wonderful use of technology endorsed and encouraged by God, which is to use technology to enable us to do the work God has assigned for us to do. We do the same thing today. If it's your job, you're responsible for communicating with others, and you sit down and type an email, you're doing exactly what the Apostle John was doing. You're using technology to help you do the work that's been assigned to you. If it's school, you use Google to help research something for a paper you've been assigned to write, you're using technology to do the work given to you to do. If you use your computer to help you learn math, that's what the Apostle John is doing. Technology extends our ability to do work. If you use Pinterest to help research stuff for the wedding you're planning for your daughter, the wedding is the work assigned to you by God. This is a good and noble and healthy use 
of technology. If you use Skype to do a teleconference with a missionary in another part of the world, that's helping you and I do our work to be an encouragement to others. And through that phone conversation, which technology makes possible, we are enabling them to do their work through the encouragement we provide for them. Last week, we talked about the assignment of taking Sabbath rest. If you're willing to accept that, then Sabbath becomes work we're supposed to do. When you use a computer to watch a video to help you relax and enjoy Sabbath rest, that is using technology for the purpose of accomplishing the work God has assigned to us. You understand by work, I don't just mean the job you get paid for. I mean the things that God has assigned for us to do. Technology enables us to do those things. And nowhere is that more important and more powerful than the work of worship. We've used a lot of technology this morning. We use technology on the screens. We use technology of amplification. We're in a building. This is technology. It's heated. This is all technology. This is not only allowed, it is approved. It is blessed. It is pleasing to the Lord to use technology to do the work God has given us to do is a great, great thing. That's what John is doing. It's what we're called to do every day. In many ways, then, that makes technology like the issue we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, which is food. Food and work were both given to us before the fall, Adam and Eve are in a garden and they are tending the garden and working. After the fall happens, our relationship with food and our relationship with work become skewed and they're actually interrelated. And what God asks for us in regards to food and regards to technology is not to live in a world with no food or no technology. That's not possible. Sometimes we look at the abuses of food and we think it'd be great if there just weren't anything sweet in this entire world. (laughs) But God's not asked us to live in a world like that. When we see the abuses of technology, sometimes you can wish, I wish there were no smartphones or computers or internet. God has not asked us to live in a world without technology. He's asked us to live faithfully in a world. And just as we use food to give us strength to do the work God's assigned us to do, God is telling us to use technology to enable us to do the work that he's assigned for us to do. You and I cannot live in a world and do what God wants us to do without making use of technology. And so 2 John is endorsing and encouraging the use of technology for the work we need to do. The second thing that we are supposed to use technology for that is encouraged in this passage is in verse 13. The children of your sister who is chosen by God send their greetings. Again, this is not an individual female. What John is talking about is your sister church. So he's at a church 
and he's writing a letter using technology to another church, and he's passing on greetings from the church that he's at. And if you can imagine, John sits down and he takes his technology of paper and ink, and he writes his scroll, and then he gives the letter uh, to a carrier who takes it on a ship perhaps, or on a caravan or some other form of technology, and it's delivered to another church. That church opens up Second John, reads it, and says, oh, that's so kind of them to think of us and to remember us, which allows technology to do this second thing, which is to maintain and strengthen relationships. Technology enables us to maintain and strengthen relationships. We know how this works. You have a sibling that lives out of state and it's their birthday and so you send them a text. You have a friend and you see something posted about them on social media and that reminds you to pray for them. That is maintaining and strengthening a relationship. You use technology to have a uh, a call with somebody. You, you send pictures over WhatsApp to somebody who's not able to be present with you to remind them that you remember them and you're wanting to share a moment with them. That's what Second John is. John is using technology to maintain and strengthen relationships when people cannot be physically present. That too is a great use of technology, a blessing from the Lord. So, when we think about technology, please hear in the book of 2 John, God endorsing and encouraging two very important uses to do the work we've been assigned to do and to help us maintain and strengthen relationships with people we cannot be physically present with. There is also in 2 John a limitation announced about technology. Back to verse 12. John says, I have much to write you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. When John sits down in his office and he starts to write 2 John, he gets out his paper, he gets out his pen, he writes all the stuff we've got right here, and then he thinks, as an apostle, you know what? There's more that needs to happen in my relationship with this church, but I cannot accomplish it through technology. And what's mind-blowing to me is, here is an apostle writing scripture who says there are some things I can't do even through scripture. What does he need? He doesn't need better paper or better ink. He doesn't need email. He doesn't need text messaging. He's not waiting for better technology. What he recognizes is there is something that trumps technologies. There is something that is better than technology for certain aspects of life, and it's what we will call incarnation, physical presence, face-to-face, -face, that even an apostle writing scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, cannot accomplish what that apostle full of the Spirit can accomplish face to face. And for all the blessings of technology, because technology is not incarnational, it is not personal, it is not human to human, there are limitations 
to what it can do. We see this in verse 7. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. What is that called, Jesus Christ coming in the flesh? Incarnation. When you read through the story of Scripture, you find out in the Old Testament that God himself used some technology. He took a stone and he chiseled in some words we call the Ten Commandments. And then he handed them to the Israelites. That was all well and good. It could accomplish him communicating his expectations to his children. But what it could not accomplish was salvation. In order to save us, he had to become one of us. He had to incarnate himself as a human. If there was any technology that could have saved us, Jesus became a human for no reason. But even God himself cannot invent a technology that does what incarnation does. And so Jesus became human so that we might know God, so that God might know us, and so that God might save us and rescue us and bring us life. And as wonderful as technology is, it cannot save. It cannot bring life. It cannot cause us to have a relationship with God. It cannot even cause us ultimately to have the fullness of relationships with one another. How do I know that? Verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. John's talking here about hospitality. Hospitality is also incarnational. It's person to person. Signing up to rent somebody's house on Airbnb is not hospitality. (laughs) Hospitality is inviting somebody into your life. It's opening up your life to them. It's sharing your fears and your struggles. It's inviting people, especially those who are oppressed or afraid or strangers or lonely to come and join your life. Hospitality is not about hotels. It's not about rooms. It's not about beds. It's not even about food. It's about interaction personally. And what technology can never do is express hospitality. The third thing that technology can't do, but incarnation can, is in verse 12. Indeed, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face. So why? Our joy may be complete. Do you ever wonder why you or somebody you know who spends so much time on social media doesn't end up with joy? Why there's so much depression around the use of technology? God said it would be this way. Technology cannot bring the fullness of joy. I'm not saying there's no no joy with technology. Please don't hear me saying that. 
What I'm saying is, there is something that comes in interpersonal, physical, incarnational relationships that creates the fullness of joy. And that if all you have is technological interaction with somebody, you are not fully experiencing the joy of being alive. That's why I said what technology can do is maintain and strengthen relationships. Technology cannot forge relationships. They cannot bring relationships to completion. Only incarnational activity can do that. And so while technology is a great blessing from the Lord, enables us to do work and to maintain and strengthen relationships, please don't miss what God is saying. As wonderful as technology is, there is something better, and it's incarnation. And when you and I get the incarnational aspects and the technological aspects of life working together in harmony, then we're doing what John was doing. Then we experience joy and blessing and are able to do the work and able to maintain the relationships, also able to offer hospitality, also able to experience the salvation and the relationship with God. So that raises the question for all of us. How do we know if we have technology in balance, meaning it has a place in the kingdom of God. It is endorsed by God. To try to live a life without technology is to sin against God. How do we live in such a way that it stays in its proper place? Let me give you five diagnostic questions that you can ask yourself and the spirit to help us determine if technology's in its proper place or if it has begun to take the place of incarnation or other things in the kingdom of God. Number one, do you experience conviction from the Holy Spirit about the use of technology? Every one of us who has a smartphone or a computer or engages on the internet or does social media, every single one of us will at some point allow technology to take up too much of our time. It's just endemic. You can't help it. Every single one of us will allow technology to crowd out our time with the Lord. We pick up the text, we answer the phone, we're supposed to be praying. It's just how it works. And the question is not, do you never mess up with technology? The question is, do you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, look, the social media use is out of line? Do you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, please put down your phone, I want to talk to you in person? If you do, that's a good sign. If you don't, that's a warning that technology is probably out of control in your life. If people come to you and say, hey, you spend a lot of time watching videos on the computer and you're like, no, I don't. That's a warning that perhaps it has too big a place in your heart. Number two, are you trustworthy with technology? Are you the kind of person the moment somebody else walks in the room, you flip down the laptop screen, you switch whatever you're doing, you don't want anyone to know what you're working on. Are you trustworthy that if your teacher says to you, no phones, no computers, no technology in the classroom. Are you texting in your pocket? Are you trying to find out ways to skirt around those rules? 
If your parents say to you, one hour of video games today, are you finding a way in which that hour didn't really start until the game was fully loaded and you were actually all the way into it and you're almost done and you just got to get through this one level and it takes another 45 minutes, but you kind of were keeping the spirit of it. Are you trustworthy with technology? Have you, of your own free will, shared a password with your spouse to say, you know what? Have access to all of the texts on my phone, to the emails on my computer, whatever it is. If you are... That shows you probably have technology in the right place. If you're trying to hide something, that's a bad sign. Number three, do you regularly engage in practices of self-denying or fasting when it comes to technology? Because God is not asking us to live in a world with no technology... His rules about things like food apply to technology, which is the regular habit of denying yourself something that is good is a useful thing to do. A few years ago, we as a church said, hey, during Lent, we want to give up some piece of technology. Did you participate in that? Do you participate in those things like that? Mark uh, Kazarczyk, who's our technical director here at the church, shared on Monday that he and his wife have technology-free vacations. When they go on vacation, no smartphones, no social media, and for that season of time in which they're on vacation, they just don't do that. Do you have a practice like that? Whatever it may be, those are great things to do. Number four, do you rely or trust in technology to bring control into your life? Last week, we talked about time. If you walked out of the sanctuary last week thinking about time, thinking, you know, I got an app I got to download, and once I download that app, that will take care of my schedule. Have you ever find yourself thinking, you know what, my eating or exercise habits are out of control? I got to get that new Fitbit or I got to get that new app. Are you thinking technology is going to solve that problem? Are you the kind of person who thinks, you know what, we're spending money like crazy. If we could just get an app that would help us control our use of money, then we'd be all set. Are you the kind of person who thinks, you know what, my prayer life is terrible. i got to go online and find something that's going to motivate me to pray and help me pray. You see, the issue is, it's not that we shouldn't use technology for those things. But technology cannot save us. The Spirit creates self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. All technology does is amplify whatever is true about us. It just extends our ability. If you are not a self-controlled person with food, technology will just make it worse. If you're not a self-controlled person when it comes to time, there is no app in the world that will save you from that. If you are a self-controlled person, then technology enables you to exercise that self-control in and through the use of technology. So the question is, are you looking to technology to bring something into your life that only the Spirit can do? And then fifth and finally... Do you use technology for sinful purposes? Are you posting angry comments on a blog? We talked about anger as one of our lessons through Titus. The internet is in, it, it's everywhere. People posting angry, critical, judgmental, mean-spirited comments. Are you using technology to view inappropriate pictures? Are you gossiping over technology? Are you having an argument with a sibling over texts? These are signs that something is wrong in the use of technology. And so your assignment is to just simply take these five questions uh, and ask the Lord to help you think through them in your own life. If you're able to go through these five questions, and I 
I trust for many of us this is true. You're able to say, you know what? I feel like technology's in a pretty good place in my life. Praise the Lord. What if it's not? Here's the amazing thing about God. He didn't just simply write us a letter. He gave us his spirit who is the living embodiment of Jesus in our lives. And so there's a much longer answer. If you go through that Rewire series, you'll hear a lot more suggestions about things you can do. The very simplest thing I can say to you is, let the Spirit lead you through this issue. Confess to God that technology's gotten out of hand. Confess to God that perhaps you're not where you want to be when it comes to technology and ask the spirit who is God's empowering presence, an incarnational aspect of God with us today to help lead us through this. And just know this, that often what the spirit does is he starts wherever we're out of control with rules. This is how the Old Testament works. It's the law. And so the Spirit often leads us to rules. This is why for parents, we have these for children. Teachers, this is why you should have rules in your classroom. Technology is too big a monster to deal with without rules if you don't have people with self-control. And so you simply come up through the Spirit with rules, like no phones at the dinner table, or no phones in the classroom, or no computer use by yourself in your bedroom, or no use, and I mean not just for students or for children, but for all of us, or whatever it may be. No going on the internet past 10 o'clock at night. No more than a half hour of YouTube a day. Whatever it might be, until self-control is developed, the spirit usually starts with rules. And you follow the rules, and through the rules the spirit starts to create self-control. And so if you look through that and you say, you know what? Like most people, I'm not yet at the point where technology is in its proper place. Allow the spirit to lead you and to guide you to that place. And don't be surprised if he suggests in your heart through the scriptures, through a conversation with another person, some rules that you might put in place to help hold it where it's supposed to be. But as we close this morning, I want you not to miss the most important point from 2 John. And that is, yes, technology is a blessing. Thank you, Jesus, that we can use technology, and he wants us to use technology to do the work we've been assigned to do, to maintain relationships with others. But please, the reason why this room was full of praise was not because of the screen. The reason why the room was full of praise is because Jesus became one of us and God sent his spirit. And that God's activity in our life, when Jordan was asking us to pray and to think through what did we bring into the sanctuary with us, the response is a living God has given you his living spirit to live within you, to help you, to guide you, to protect you. And it's through that spirit, by the death and resurrection of the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ, that God is able to be our good shepherd. It's not through technology that he leads us to green pastures and besides still waters. It's his spirit within us that prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. It's his spirit that anoints our head with oil. It's his spirit that restores and refreshes our soul. And it's his spirit who will lead us to a place where we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
And so with all the problems and difficulties with technology, we step back and say, thank you, God, for the incarnation. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you, God, for your spirit. And don't be afraid. Whether it's alcohol or time or sex or money or technology or food, the living God whose fullness of his presence comes to us in Jesus by the Spirit will guide us safely through. Let's pray together. Father, these words are not without the affirmation that your Spirit is with us. God, we have felt your presence during worship. We've heard you speaking to our hearts through your word. Now, Lord, show us your greatness and your power that you're not just present here in the assembly, but as we leave this place. And Lord, for each person as they go, may your spirit fill them with power and wisdom and conviction and guidance. God, help us to be a people who live faithfully in this technological world that we might draw others to you and show them the power and the grace that comes through technology and the amazing power and grace that comes through the incarnation. Jesus, thank you for choosing to become one of us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.